Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast on Monday morning. It's the first full Monday morning of the offseason, it feels like, even though it was uh, a heck of a wild card weekend, super wild card weekend. It was actually kind of fun listening to Tony Romo uh, and Jim Nance make fun of super wild card weekend as we enjoyed the games. Great slate of games. Uh, We want to talk a little bit about the Atlanta Falcons this morning because they have Still have a lot going on. An open defensive coordinator position after Dean Peace retired. We want to run through some of the candidates. Uh, We also want to knock on the door, kick the tires, so to speak, of some of the veteran quarterback options that might be available if the Falcons decide to go that route. Um, I feel pretty confident in saying that they're going to bring in another veteran quarterback. Um, I don't think you want to have just a rookie behind Desmond Ritter. And you want to have somebody that come in as a legitimate compete that can compete with Ritter. Look at look at these teams in the playoffs. You got the Baltimore Ravens. You got the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, this just off the top of my head, several teams are having to rely on their backup quarterbacks to win. So having two quarterbacks now, it seems like it's going to be awfully tough to pour all, all of your resources into just one quarterback with all of the injuries that are out there. So we'll get into some of the veteran options and some of the conversations I had on on uh, on Twitter about possibly Daniel Jones uh, and and what sense that might make. Uh, and as usual, you know, Twitter overreacts to anything like that. So let's uh, let's let's go in here and we'll talk uh, say hello to some folks in the chat while it's reaching out into the uh, into the internet sphere and the social media verse. So hit that like button and share that helps find everybody and wake everybody up. So Michael Rankio is always in here. You're not first every time. You, uh, you're first every time, Michael. Appreciate you coming in. Joe Cannon coming on Facebook. He says, great morning, Scott. Yes, it is. It's a beautiful morning. It's nice and crisp and cool this weekend in Atlanta, that's for sure. 100 Realist says, good morning, guys. And yes, Nick Kendall should be joining me here momentarily if he remembered to set his alarm. He's in Seattle, so we're we're coast to coast. I give him a little bit of a a, a, a walking line, a line to uh, to get going a little bit before we get cranked up and I intro the show. Lawrence Rivera, Broncos fan. I said, I wish I caught more games to talk Falcons with you. That's okay, Lawrence. You ask good questions. So, you know, you you ask some of the questions that I don't necessarily think to, to answer. And you can ask some of those. Um, you know, we get kind of an echo chamber in here. And sometimes we think that, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Everybody knows. We've talked about that before. Well, we get new people in here all the time. So, you know, you could ask stuff, you know, the, where are the Falcons going at eight? Uh, is Desmond Ritter the answer? How do you feel about your your new coach? All those kind of things are are all relevant. Triple Eight Dr. Pepper coming on YouTube. He says, hi, Scott, and good morning. And, and we're going to take that moment to say good morning to Nick Kendall. Nick Kendall, good morning. How are you today? 
Doing pretty well off. Happy uh, Martin Luther King Day to everybody joining us today. Everybody with work or without work today. This is my only uh, thing I got going today. So happy to be here hanging out. And uh, coffee just finished. Feeling pretty darn good. And enjoyed the surprisingly competitive weekend of football so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I The only game that was not really competitive was the San Francisco 49ers uh, versus the Seattle Seahawks. Everything else has been coming down to the last play of the game. So been a good weekend. Yeah. As Dom says, he's coming in on YouTube. He says, good morning, Nick and Scott and dog nation. Happy MLK day to you as well. Um, never forget all about what this day is for. Uh, one of the true heroes of this nation for sure. Says got to watch you guys this morning at work and, uh, says great games this weekend. The 49ers killed the Seahawks in the second half. It was 24 to six. Great defense. Yeah. Great defense, efficient offense. Uh, with some playmakers, you can win a lot of ball games. And San Francisco certainly looks dangerous um, right now. Uh, Nick, I introed the show. I said we wanted to run through some of the defensive coordinator candidates for uh, for the Falcons, but we can also hit on the on the sh- on the games this weekend just real quick. Um, the the twenty seven and nothing lead blowing from the Chargers, epic. I mean, I turned it yeah. off at twenty four nothing, and then. I got my alert from NFL. Hey, it's a 10-point game. I'm like, really? All right, I'll turn it back on. So I did get to see the end of that one. Was that a pretty good growing up moment for Trevor Lawrence, you know, to be able to bounce back like back like that after what would be a nightmare first quarter, first half? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, he was getting fooled left and right. Staley had a, they had a pretty good game plan uh, going on. I think Asante Samuel Jr. had two interceptions, and they were playing great football uh, to start. But the Chargers could not run the ball. Uh, to save their life, and the Jags picked their way back and eventually got the lead and uh, won the game. So pretty great game. I feel bad for Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley, but that's the game. Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. Uh, but, yeah, an epic collapse that, God, only only the Chargers uh, could do something like that, it seems like. They're the only team that could come away with that level of epic collapse. They're, uh, I mean, what's funny is Matt because of that game, Matt Ryan is still trending on a couple of my timelines. 48 hours later, based on that game, Matt Ryan was like 17 for 24 with two touchdowns and had a 140, had an almost perfect quarterback rating in that 28 to three game. I think the problem in that number was probably the 24. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it would have been more, of course, if he wouldn't have gotten sacked a bunch of times. But yeah. Um, but yes, um, the, uh, the play, uh, J.K. Dobbins had a lot to say after the Ravens lost that game. Tyler Huntley, um, you know, trying to go over the top from too far out, I can see where there were some some big questions there. Um, that's a mistake, and what a turnaround. My goodness. Uh, yeah. You know, Collinsworth, I think, was doing that game. He's like, do you remember a game of this level that turned on a play like that? Um, and I, I don't I don't remember what. I mean, the closest one I remember was 93, Auburn, Florida. Uh, Florida was up, you know, 10-0, and they were ranked one or two in the country up 10-0, have the ball in the 15. I think it was Calvin Jackson was a cornerback's name. Picks pick six the other direction. Game on. Um, but that was in the first quarter. You know, this was this was the game. This was the game winner. So just yeah. a huge play, huge turnaround play. The Bengals are vulnerable. They're vulnerable. Yeah. Yep. There's a, I think there's no perfect team uh in the playoffs right now. Every single team is beatable. I guess besides it's crazy because it's such a quarterback driven league. But the team that's played the best this weekend, I mentioned already, the 49ers. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw I was listening um, to a you know post game podcast, and Brock Purdy he's getting crowned right now uh, by a lot in the NFL circle, which is a great story. But 
You know how many contested throws uh, he had in that entire game? Two. Two. Yeah. T- two. Building guys are running. Good offensive line, running game, good defense. Hey, you can win. And then some, you know, it's, yes, I know. Yeah. And also just the scheming of guys being wide open. I mean, I know it's as simple as, you know, he still has to make the right read and deliver it in time, but like Mm -hmm. guys are wide open in that 49ers scheme right now. It's pretty damn incredible. Then you have their defense uh, shutting down the Seahawks completely in the second half. I think giving up zero points. I mean, I know that there's some Broncos fans and whatnot that don't want D'Amico Ryans as their, head coach, but I mean, God, their defense is just incredible how they tackle and uh, hand off players in zone. I mean, they're just, they're as well oiled of a machine as I can remember playing defense for a bit. And they don't have incredible talent in their secondary. Um, their front seven obviously is very talented, but it's mostly, especially at linebacker, it's a day two, day three guys. They just play as smart as any defense I can remember right now. Roger Cook coming in. He said, afternoon all. Miss you guys live for a while, but always catch up later. Enjoy listening to you. Appreciate you, Roger. Thanks for coming in. And um, so, you know, let, let's let, let's stay on the current games for a little while because I want to talk a little Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. Talking about, you know, possible. We put this out as a, as a tweet. Um, you know, what about, what do you think Daniel Jones would look like in, a, in, a, in an Arthur Smith offense? And, you know, I, the, the Falcons may kick the tires on that. Now, obviously, the Twitter reactions were from, ranged from all over the place to some yeah. of them. It was the worst idea in the world. What, making a phone call to an agent, you moron? You know, I mean, this, this is, you don't have to overreact to everything. Throwing out a suggestion, throwing out a talking point isn't saying, hey, this is what we should do. It's a discussion. Discuss. Be a human being. Mm-hmm. So, Daniel Jones. Um, make the case of why Daniel Jones would be a round peg and a round hole for Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons offense. Very smart football player. Uh, had a high rate of turnovers before this season, which is a concern. But as far as throwing the football, um, been pretty good with that this season. And a extremely underrated athlete. Um, under center run game, playing off of the run game, and getting it done with his best weapons being Isaiah Hodgins and... Darius Slayton on the outside. I mean, Daniel Jones has had a phenomenal season with uh, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka out there. And I think the athleticism of Daniel Jones and the size and the athleticism has always been extremely underrated. He's a very good athlete in open space. And mm-hmm. we saw this season what how much the Falcons want to use that quarterback to stress the edges, you know, give them multiple options in that run game. I think he would be a excellent fit uh, in this offense. I think he's a much more physically a uh, much bigger, more physically gifted version of Ryan Tannehill. And we saw how great Ryan Tannehill was in this Arthur Smith offense. He's bigger. I think he's faster. Uh, I know Ryan Tannehill played wide receiver, but he never looked as fast in the open field or able to handle as much of a, a run game aspect uh, in his play as we saw with Daniel Jones this season. And yesterday was a great example. Um, obviously, the explosives for that Giants offense have not been there this season, but I don't think their, their uh, wide receiver talent, their pass catching talent is good at all um to be completely honest so i would kick the tires i think he'd be an excellent scheme fit in this team obviously i'm not looking to to pay him top money but give him a three-year contract with high guarantees that lower the overall cap hit in comparison to his contemporaries and i think that's something i would personally consider if i was the falcons especially if you had any questions on ritter especially if you didn't like any of the quarterbacks in this draft class i mean and i also think this atlanta team is a infrastructure wise a great sell if i was a quarterback like daniel jones 
I would be very interested in coming to Atlanta to play with Arthur Smith and throw to the young guys that they have in the offensive line that they have. Oh, oh, you've got, you know, two top 10 PFF offensive linemen, assuming you sign Caleb, re-sign Caleb McGarry. Yeah. You've got those guys and um, you've got Kyle Pitts and hey, why don't we throw Quentin Johnson in there? I think it's a pretty easy sell too. Now, when you talk about top dollar, what is that to you? What is that? What is that coming to you? Because that's where it comes in. You know, I, I, I would advocate Terry Fontenot getting on the phone and calling the agent expressing interest. Hey, if, uh, if things, you know, let us know, you know, give us a ballpark. What do you know? What? I don't, I don't want to put them up in the, you know, the 40 plus million range, you know, that's, that's, that's not for me. So what, what are you thinking? I think something, I mean, gosh, it's crazy jump off an average per year. Of the contracts right now, you got Baker Mayfield making 15 million a year, Jameis Winston, 14 million. Then it jumps up to Tom Brady at 25. Then Ryan Tannehill, 29, Matt Ryan at 30. I'd be looking to pay him about 20 million a year. I think that's honestly if a fair deal. Uh, he might be wanting more than that, but 20, per year more guaranteed maybe you can get it to 25 per year but you'd have the guarantees be less on the back end so that way you can move on from him if something happens but i think he'd be interesting also i think that because of his play style he's not one that you want to commit to a long time especially if you're going to run him as much as we saw in this uh giants playoff game but a three-year deal averaging 20 25 million per year which would put him at the oh gosh guys do math one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteenth, about the sixteenth highest paid quarterback in terms of average per year. I'd be interested. I think that's a fair deal. Yeah, okay. So I, I agree with you. That that's when we talk about kick the tires. Marcus Mariota was on about 14. You know, yep. to go plus six to Daniel Jones, I think you're in the right neighborhood. That said, I don't think that's gonna get it done anymore. Um, 25, 30. I think he's, I think he's played his way out of that. I -hmm. think the giants are going to want to resign him. And you have Ian Rappaport out there this morning talking about a possible franchise tag. If you know, they want to try and bring back Barkley and, and Daniel Jones, and they might use the tag on one or the other. Now a tag on a, that's a $40 million difference on a franchise tag between quarterback and running back. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think the, the giants will pay, I don't want to say above market, but anything competitive, he'll probably want to stay there. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be in the 25 plus range over the course of this, this next contract, which for me would price him out of what I feel comfortable putting into a new quarterback with this team. So, you know, again, one of the mentions I have is like, you know, quarterback pay is set. No, it's not. What are you talking about? You know, and, and if, if I were to give Daniel Jones an offer, I'll, I'll, I'll give you three and 60 and make them come up for four and a hundred at 25 a year. Okay. Well, that's less money in the free agent market that I have to compete with from the New York giants. There's nothing wrong with that. So would I kick the tires? Uh, if I'm Terry Fontenot, yeah, I'd, I'd put an agent in express interest. You know, mm-hmm. what are you guys thinking? Do I think it will happen? No, I, I don't. I, I don't think it'll happen. I think you're still highly likely to have Desmond Ritter, be your quarterback because I think the cost of acquiring a veteran would be the cost risk value there wouldn't be enough to say, you know what, I'd rather have Desmond right now for where this team is. And Carl's coming in. He said, I'm sorry, guys, we should draft a quarterback also. Uh, People's jobs are on the line waiting on Ritter. This year's draft class is much better than last year's draft class. Um, That appreciate you coming in, Carl. Um, If CJ Stroud is there at eight, I'm, I'm taking him. If Bryce Young is there at eight, I'm taking him. 
Otherwise, I wouldn't take a quarterback at eight. I don't want the one I was thinking about it, you know, in part of these conversations. Aaron comes and he says, relax on, on this talk about Daniel Jones. I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty relaxed. I'm pretty chill about this draft class. The one guy I think where I would start to get kind of like I've been the last two draft classes about would be if Will Levis won at eight. That might make me a little angry. Uh, and anywhere else you can go on this team, I'm going to pretty much be okay if you're getting, you know, as long as you're not reaching. If you're if you're within a group of five players at any position. But if Stroud's there, yeah, I'm probably taking Stroud. I'm not passing on him at eight. And at the very least, I'm talking to somebody about trading down. Yeah, and we'll see. Is CJ Stroud officially declared yet? I mean, he we're still today's the deadline. Um, Actually, you're right. I don't think he has yet. So that would be wild. Yeah, uh, you but, know Ohio State. Ohio State's probably got the most money of any, that in Texas. Probably have the most money available. You know, the biggest the biggest alumni slash fan base in the country is Ohio State. So he could play on the franchise tag for one year at 20 million and, and come back. But Stroud would be the guy. Carl, I'm with you. I, I think you're going to have two new quarterbacks come in. Uh, they might have um, Logan Woodside. I haven't even gotten his name straight in my head. Um, he actually got some snaps, I think. Uh, maybe that was a dream. I'm dreaming football again. Logan Woodside, the guy they picked up off the Texans practice squad to make their number two. He could be one of the guys next year, but they will definitely bring in a third. Felipe Franks won't won't, won't be the option um, there. So um, I think uh, Carl, I'm with you 100. Now, where do you go? Where do you where do you go for that? You go with a veteran, a steady veteran backup. Um, I think you've got to have at least one, and maybe Logan's that guy. Uh, Lawrence comes in. He says, "How come the Falcons or Broncos never interviewed Brian Dayball?" Uh, sorry for the name spelling. I think he nailed it, uh, Lawrence. I think that's how you spell Dayball. Um, Dayball was going to the Giants. So that was all but a done deal. You know, they may have had to cross some technicalities and stuff, but I don't think Dayball really, it, he wasn't interviewing out doing the rounds. He didn't, he didn't do the rounds. So again, when I mentioned kick the tires, you call up, you call up his agent and say, Hey, we're interested. And he goes, yeah, thank you. We appreciate it. He's going to be a New York giant. So it, it, he was a top candidate and the giants, there was mutual interest there from the beginning. So the giants new general manager going to happen. The giants new general manager is coming over from Buffalo and had a relationship with uh, Dayball. They both obviously worked in Buffalo so that he was going there. Also, I think the giants are considered like one of the five premium coaching spots uh, in the NFL with the Mara family. If you mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, I don't really know my giants history as well. Uh, but yeah, he was always going there. Um, but man, what a, uh, what a good coaching job he's done there in New York. I mean, that New, New York East, but Dallas, Philly, and uh, the Giants look pretty darn good uh, out there. So it will be fun to see how they continue uh, going forward. We got. I think you're breaking up just a little bit, so I'm going to get this guys, next question here while things uh, Jackson things come out. Nick, you're breaking up on me just a shade. Um, but it's Michael Ranquillo says, "Do you th guys think quarterback Lamar Jackson played his last game with the Baltimore Ravens?" Going back to veteran quarterbacks and possibilities, Benjamin Albright doubled down again, saying the Falcons will be at the front of the line if there is a deal to be done. Um, about the Seahawks, you know, the Seahawks could, I think the Seahawks are in play at quarterback again, Nick. Um, mm -hmm. going in, I don't know, you know, we've talked about maybe rolling it with Geno Smith. Um, they got excellent value for Geno Smith this year. Um, Geno could go from seven to 15. He could double his money next year with somebody else. Again, Mark, Marcus Marietta was on 14. Geno Smith should be in that range too, at least. Um, 
Are the Seahawks going to be sold there? The Falcons will definitely be interested in Lamar Jackson. Um, do you think he's played with his last game with the Baltimore Ravens? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to move a franchise quarterback, Nick, but this one might be done. There's a lot of weirdness coming out of Baltimore with this one, you know, from Sammy Watkins talking about, man, it's, if we had him, I think we'd be good. You know, what is it? A sprain, LCL sprain, he'd be good. John Harbaugh, when he originally got hurt, saying, oh, he should be back in two weeks. And now we're on like, what, week six, seven? Didn't travel with the team uh, to Cincinnati as well. It's, uh, I wonder if this is beyond repair. Obviously, one of the weird dynamics with Lamar Jackson is that he's his own agent. So there's no middleman there. It can get pretty personal. You know, we think you're this much. What yeah, we've talked about that before. I don't want my coach negotiating contracts with players. There's you want you want both sides being a little pissed off when you walk out of a negotiation, and I don't yeah. want that carrying over onto the field. Yeah, well, that's one of the negatives about the players negotiating their own contract is then it becomes much more personal rather than the negotiation, and then the agent comes back to the players after advocating for them. Uh, it's just it's a lot less. Uh, professional and I I mean not to be you know pro agent all the time you know they're taking skimming 15% off the top or something but there's you know pros and cons on all sides so could be possible um the one thing with Lamar that would make me skeptical is that from my my understanding is that he saw that Deshaun Watson contract and said I want me one of those 100% guaranteed contracts mm -hmm. and the big difference with Deshaun Watson is that he had that no full no trade clause so he could really dictate where he was going and as soon as Cleveland offered that 100% guaranteed contract okay I'm in. Uh, so would the would you be willing to pay that for a quarterback who runs as much as he does as, you know, the, the frame that he possesses? I mean, no doubt he's a dynamic athlete, but, you know, are you going to what is it going to be like six years from now on a mm -hmm. still 100 percent guaranteed contract? I mean, that's we haven't seen that before. <laughs> that's just never happened in the NFL. So uh, it'll be fascinating. This, that's the the storyline of the offseason. Yeah, I worry a little bit about I mean, Lamar Jackson can beat you with his arm, but his his number one weapon is his athleticism mm -hmm. that tends to start to deteriorate faster than an arm right you know 50 year old quarterback still throwing the ball i mean we can go we can go old guys for a long time donovan mcnab tom brady aaron Rodgers, drew Brees. we can go lots of guys that could still throw donovan mcnab could still throw donovan mcnab was a hell of an athlete but he could his arm was still his his meal ticket um that's a great question michael and I, I, I wouldn't advocate for what I think it would cost to bring in Lamar Jackson. Again, I'm okay with Desmond Ritter and where he is and the trajectory of this team. And if he flops, then move the world to get your quarterback the next year. Uh, because again, you're not a Super Bowl team this coming year. See what you got. I see how he progresses, and then you can you can make options in 2024. Carl asked about Anthony Richardson. What do you think about Anthony Richardson in the second round? Falcons are picking, they, they, they snake the second round, right? So they've got the first pick of the seven and 10 teams. They would have the last pick. I think it's around 40, somewhere in there, maybe a little bit later, 44. Uh, if he's available at 44, I would absolutely take Anthony Richardson. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean, know that he's going to be available. I would consider Carl trading down and taking him in the first and the 20s. Um, yeah. I would consider it. And then I don't necessarily need to start him right away. I don't want him at eight because then there's too much pressure to play the kid who's he's not ready. He he would have been better off with one more year at Florida and putting ten million dollars of NIL money in his pocket. Um, but I would take uh, Anthony Richardson in a second in a heartbeat. And can you believe Nick? I did a mock draft. I got Jalen Carter at eight. I got Bijan Robinson at four forty four. 
And there were people complaining that the Falcons didn't need a running back when I got Bijan Robinson at 44. We don't need a, I was like, I don't care. Yeah. If, 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 if Derrick Henry wants to sign a $5 free agent contract, you say, no, 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 we're okay. Yeah. We're okay yeah. there. Come on, guys. Be serious. Forget That's... the position. Look at the player. Bijan Robinson might be the best damn player in the draft. You're not going to have to worry about taking him at 44. Anthony Richardson in the second round at 44, I'd be real interested. Yeah, I don't think he's going to make it out of the top 15, uh, personally, especially given the lack of depth in this quarterback class. I mean, we were looking at this class earlier. Oh, this guy could come out. He's talented. This guy, you know, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, uh, Dan Leary, Devin Leary, excuse me. No, these guys are all returning back to school because the NIL money. So the depth of this quarterback class is bad um you're gonna have a big drop off after the first four i mean people are Did talking Bonex, about bonick said he was going back to oregon yep okay i couldn't remember if that was the case or not i think the nil money is going to be good for the college game i agree um i am ready to get through this rona extra year period because we mm-hmm. have like 26 year old guys right. playing right now so i don't mind it in that case but it's almost like dragged out a year too long for a lot mm-hmm. of like like cam rising is going to be back at utah I mean, it's just like it's. <laughs> we were talking about him two years ago as a possible yeah, guy. I know. But yes, so, you can. You're going to have guys playing at a higher level. It'll be tougher to get in, get mm-hmm. into college. You know, for you know, to, I think the transfer portal has thousands of people in it uh, when these guys are coming back. But the product should be better, and you should have more pro-ready guys going to college that are coming coming back that way. Like I said, it would have been good for Anthony Richardson. As far as Anthony um, Richardson, though, before we move on, um, mm-hmm. the Jordan Reed, who I respect tremendously in this business, second year now working for ESPN, uh, coming up there doing a lot of draft content. Uh, he had Anthony Richardson going nine overall, I believe, to mm-hmm. the Carolina Panthers. So as far as, as far as the conversation of taking Anthony Richardson in the second round, we can walk that one out back and right. you know leave it there. Uh, well, to and to be fair, Carl did say, what do you think about Anthony Richardson in the second round? I think he'll never make it there. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what I think. That's what that's what we think. Um, and as, as 88, triple eight, Dr. Pepper says, Richardson will not get out of the top 15, maybe even top 10. He's extremely uh, erratic, but his ceiling is about as high as it gets. A lot of NFL people are really interested in this guy, and that's good. That's good for the Falcons. If they decide, you know, we're okay with Ritter, you want quarterbacks to be available. I want someone pounding on my door at eight and sending me two first. Hey, we're going to, we're going to send you, we're sitting there at 12 and we're going to send you our number one and a 2024 number one done. I'm moving back to 12. Yes, Mm -hmm. please. No problem. So you want those quarterbacks to be good. You want to start hyping up Will Levis. You want to start hyping up Anthony Richardson. You're hoping CJ Strapp is going to enter the draft here because that makes all of those picks, that makes your pick more and more valuable. And there's nothing more valuable than someone wanting to trade up for a quarterback um, for sure. Now, before we get out of here, Nick, I want to touch on uh, the candidates that have been talked about. And I'm going to run through the names here real quick. Al Holcomb, Panthers, um, he was uh, intern defensive coordinator with the Packers, has some experience on both sides of the ball. Jerry Gray is a, I'm sorry, Panthers uh, was, was Holcomb. Jerry Gray was Packers defensive back and passing game coordinator. I got those two confused. Apologies. Uh, Ryan Nielsen, co-defensive coordinator with the Saints. So we're looking at the Panthers and the Saints. Jim Hazlitt is rumored, according to the Falcoholic, to be a, a, uh, a target. And for me, the two that are the most interesting, uh, linebackers coach, former Miami Dolphins coach, Brian Flores, and Denver Broncos defensive coordinator is Jiro Evero. Now the Broncos blocked the Falcons from interviewing Jiro Evero. Um, I disagree with that move a little bit, but again, it could be 
either way. I, I want them to be excited. I want I want them to be interviewed. I want them really to want a Giro Evero because if I hire a coach that doesn't want him, I've got him under contract. Maybe I can trade him. You know, maybe I can, oh yeah, we're going to keep him knowing I can't and I'm just on a timeline here, but play a little poker. Maybe I could get a second round pick for a Giro Evero as a defensive coordinator, but I would block the move until I had a defensive coordinator in place, but I wouldn't have blocked the interview. I would want the Falcons to want this guy so bad that they're willing to send me anything. I don't know what the rule is on terms of coordinator compensation. I think there might be like a line of demarcation where you can't trade uh, picks for coordinators. I think it has to be like head coach or general managers you can trade, but I'm not sure about the coordinators. I had conflicting information on that one. Okay, so. If you can't trade them, then, then there isn't really any reason. You can interview after the fact. Um, yeah. the, the, there's a very good chance that Evero ends up as defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos next year. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't make a lateral move. And if you're letting him interview, are you showing your hand? You know, we're talking poker here, but a lot of these deals, it, it is, it's, it's a poker game between yeah. I want to move up. How much am I going to pay this guy? How much am I what? A lot of it is poker. So yeah. I'm, I'm talking poker cliches and analogies here, but it is, it's poker. Yeah, hundred percent. So I, I don't blame the Broncos for blocking the Azure Evero. The other thing that changes the dynamic uh, going forward is that if you let him go this season, you get no compensation back. But now they have that rule where if a minority head or a minority coach is in your system for multiple years and they get an obvious like step up. So let's say you have a running back coach, he's there for three years and he moves up to an offensive coordinator. I think you get compensatory pick back for that. Same with Evero. Uh, if he's there for another year and then goes gets a head coach position, Broncos will get compensatory picks back. So that's part of the game. I also think it's until the Broncos have their head coach uh, laid out and know who and we know who that is probably be blocking it because they're going to give that coach the chance right. to be like, we're keeping him or we're getting our own, a different guy in there. And for Falcons fans, Zero Evero was a first-year defensive coordinator at the Denver Broncos who did a magnificent job under incredibly trying circumstances. I have said, yeah, he's only there one year, but one year with the Denver Broncos and the, the circus that they had this year was like dog years. It's like seven years of experience. They had injuries out the yin-yang. They had uh, Their offense was historically awful. And still that defense played at a very high level for most of the season before finally started to show some wear and tear at the end of the year. Very, very good candidate. Uh, wins the interviews, commands a room. Uh, love this guy. I, I, I mentioned when the, the first guy to get fou- fired this year was Frank Reich. I told the Colts guys I know when you're writing up your possible candidates, put a Giro Evero's name on the list. And that was week eight. So um, that was someone I, I wanted to keep an eye out. Now, now Brian Flores. Um, he will be a guy that will elicit some strong reactions either way. Let's talk about Brian Flores as the candidate, as a defensive coordinator scheme. You, you get somebody out of Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm, I'm usually pretty happy. Um, you know, you, you get, you get some experience under Mike Tomlin. Um, you know, one of my favorite coaches in the world and Brian Flores had come down in here and would be a, a big name hire to replace Dean Peace. A lot of man, a lot of cover one, a lot of blitzing. Uh, so that's my understanding of him when he was at Miami. Obviously, with Brian Flores, he has that uh, pending lawsuit with the league, uh, where they where he said he had some sham interviews and the improper firing uh, in Miami. But we'll see. Uh, the one that I keep hearing Brian Flores connected to is that Cleveland Browns uh, spot. I know mm-hmm. that he has a very close relationship with Deshaun Watson. And they have a coming from a cover one esque scheme there as well. But Brian Flores would be interesting. I think he's probably the the best of the candidates that you listed here. Uh, But 
um, would be a would be a good get for the Falcons. And it'd probably come down to, you know, money and power. And Arthur Smith might just say, hey, you know, I'm going to leave you be on that defensive side exactly. of the ball, which is a, <laughs> a big get, uh, in my opinion, if I was a defensive coordinator. So it would be interesting. Yeah, I think DC, again, Evero would be my number one choice out of that. But that's a lateral move for him. And something would have to change rapidly, including he's up for some head coaching jobs. Um, not getting a head coaching job and the Broncos, um, whoever's coming in at head coach, if it's not of Giro Evero, uh, wanting to bring in their own guys. So they would have to let him go and all of those things. So uh, Malcolm Brown coming in saying aloha. Hello from Homer, Alaska, before we get out of here, because we do have to get running. We go about 30 minutes on Monday mornings. We will be back on Wednesday morning when we start talking well, pretty similar to how we talk today. Overarching, we'll be talking some draft, we'll be talking some playoffs, we'll be talking some Falcons, Broncos, Colts, you name it. Number one picks, Bears, all of them. So, but for now, Nick and I are going to head over to Mile High Huddle on YouTube and talk a little Broncos for breakfast, coaching candidates, player personnel, all that good stuff. So we will see you Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, appreciate everybody being here that came in and joined the chat and hit that like and share and subscribe button to help us out. And until then, we'll see you next time.